Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. Pastor Dustin is here with Steve Prudian. And uh, today, this week, Steve, we are continuing on Job chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct because we have not finished it. We just got into an introduction on Job chapter 12 last weekend. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we start with a quick summary of where we are at up to this point, and we can just take it from there. I always want people to remember why Job is actually canonized in our scriptures. I think that's a great point. Job was not a preacher. Nope. But he preached. Yep. Job was not a prophet, yet he prophesied. Right. Job was not a believer, but he believed. Right. Job was a man, and so are you. And Job had questions, and so do we. Right. And Job, even though he was religious and he believed in God, he still had to go through and experience human suffering, just like we do. Yep. The question yep. is, Job could do it with far greater suffering than most of us will ever have to go through. Yes, he did. Do you know that Job could be, fer- be referred to the suffering of Jesus in the Old Testament. Think about it. I can see that. Think about it. He gave up everything. Job gave, he lost everything, but he gave up everything. Mm -hmm. And in giving up everything, including his own physical suffering, he had a lot of questions. But he still defended the righteousness of God. Yes, he did. And he also knew his stand steadfast place with God. And he maintained that even under false accusations. Mm-hmm. Job, whether you see it or not, is the defender of the faith. He defends God before men who think that they know all about God. But in reality, they know about God, but they do not know God. Right. And Job knows everything that they know about God, but Job wants to take it a step further. He wants to know God personally. He has challenged God to come and speak with him so they can speak face to face. Mm-hmm. And this is why Job is important. Job is important because it helps us to understand why we suffer. Right. It helps us to understand that there are things beyond our understanding that happen in our lives. But there is one thing that remains true. What's that? That is Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. Okay. And Jesus is for you. And Jesus mm-hmm. said he would never leave you or forsake you. Right. But Jesus also said, sorry that your days are short 
and they're full of trials and tribulations. Yes, they are. But he, if you're a believer, he goes with you through them. Can you imagine when you've seen all of the suffering that Jesus went through for his trial and for his crucifixion and for his belittlement and betrayal, that he still loves mankind and he would do it over again. Yep. And the thing is, is, is that we think that we have a special knowledge or a special privilege because we live in a time and a place where knowledge has advanced and it's rampant in its growth. But yet the most simple fact of all, that has been the fact from the early days of mankind, right from the garden, mm-hmm. is do you know Jesus Christ? Because right. he knows you. He does. And someday he's going to say, welcome, or he's going to say, who are you? Mm-hmm. So this is where we'll start, is we'll start with some of the questions to consider in Job 12. We've already read the text about a week or so ago. Yep, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So rather than read the text again, we're going to go into... You can read the text yourself, by the way. The Bible is freely given for you to freely read. It is. And uh, if you're looking for a Bible and, uh, you know, any bookstore has multiple translations, or you can get on your internet device and download the YouVersion Bible app. It's 100% free, and it has multiple, multiple translations for you to read if you want... King James, that has that. If you want NIV, NLT, or if you don't know what translation, they uh, I believe they even have a tool to help you pick. I could be mistaken on that. That could be a different app, but they can, uh, I believe they have something to help you pick. If you are wanting to keep along with the translation we are using, we are using the New Living Translation, NLT. All right, sorry for that little commercial there. Not a sponsor. We are not sponsored by version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question, Dustin. Yes, sir. And you can ask me questions. We can go at this at random. All right. There, there are really only a few questions to be asked today. Okay. But the answers may be revealing. All right. Let's Okay. Let's Here's do the it. first question for you, Dustin. Dustin... At this moment, sitting where you're sitting, you are Job. That's not a question. Okay, no, but you, (laughs) I'm telling you, you are Job. All right, I'm Job. When Job, the question is, are you like Job, weak, but strong by the Holy Spirit in your weaknesses? Not as often as I should be. What, what strengths does the Holy Spirit give you in your weakness? Oh, he builds me up a lot when I let him. Um, see, the problem I have is pride. Oh, really? 
I, I, that's I, a, that is a, that you, he better scratch that one real fast. I, I, okay. <laughs> that's number one on God's hit list. <laughs> well, you know, we talked, we talked about word, my uh, word of the year is cultivate. We talked about that, you know, not on the recording, but just in our own conversations. And, uh, that's a big part of it. That is a big part of it there. I have a little bit of a proud streak and maybe more than a little bit of a proud streak. Um, and when I can get past that, when I can get over myself and I can give it to God, it's amazing what he can do. It is absolutely amazing. When I set aside and, uh, we'll just, we will use, um, like just day to day, my, um, my ability to keep up on the things that I need to keep up on. Right. I've got, I've got a list of tasks that need to be done every day, week, month, year, right? Everybody in every job kind of has those things, those tasks that need to be done. And I've got to keep up on them just like anybody else. And when I try to do it under my own power, my own prideful power, I end up tired, exhausted, um, just mentally beaten sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it, I just feel downtrodden because it's been really, really busy. But if I can pause and I'm getting better at it, not good at it, but I'm getting better at it. If I can hit the pause button and say, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. And I'm going to give it over to you to help me do, to do through me. Things come easier. They work a little better. And I've got more energy left at the end of the day. So that's, uh, I guess that's not a very direct answer, but more of an example of how when I let God be my strength. I just have more. The Word of God is interesting. It draws a picture. Yep. And I want you to analyze or think about this picture. All right. You working feverishly, trying to meet all the demands of a day's schedule. And some of it requires some of it requires great detail. Yep. But dealing with interruptions that stop it you have to stop and start your day frequently. And that has to become very frustrating because you know every stop to put you behind on the task that you've already determined that you wanted to accomplish for that day. Right. But you know what God says? God has another plan for me. God says, <laughs> rejoice. Mm -hmm. Look up. Because your help comes from above. It draws nigh. So right. if you look up and you depend upon okay, God to help you even through your weakness, even through your distractions. Yep. 
even through your frustrations, he will. And I find uh-huh. it interesting that it starts with rejoice. And another word for rejoice is what? Praise. Praise. Okay. Give thanks. Yep. Rejoice. And your help will come and help you. But you got to ask for it. It's you and him doing the work together. Not you and you because you're not so you. Right. And... I mean, let's be honest about it. Sometimes I'm trying to get something done on a timetable that hasn't been approved by God. Sometimes I'm trying to get it done. I think it needs to be done absolutely right now, right this second, right now, today. This has to be done. And that's really when those interruptions get frustrating. And sometimes it gets to the point where I go, all right, God, what are you trying to tell me? No, I'm never going to suggest that somebody procrastinate. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not saying you put off till later what needs to be done today, but what I'm saying is sometimes we think it needs to be done today, and God's telling us it needs to wait a day. Because there have been plenty of times when interruption after interruption after interruption say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? And I'm frustrated, and I'm tired, and he says, go do something else. He has a different task for me in that moment. And I go and I do that and it's refreshing and it's enjoyable and the interruptions miraculously cease. And the next day I come back, that task I left is still waiting for me. And it's done with ease. And the word says, I can do all things through God who... Who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. Right. And nothing... Is impossible with God. Right. Whose work is it? It's his. It's his work. But whose work do we think it is? We think it's ours all too often. We think it's ours. Okay. The best that we can produce Mm -hmm. is nothing close to what he can produce. Right. So the question is, who is the star of this game? Well, God's the star of the game. So what's our position? Our position is to just do everything we can to let him work. Okay. We basically are called to be an obedient mm-hmm. assistant mm-hmm. so we can lend and assist. Right. And who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God gets the glory. If Dustin does it, who gets the glory? Dustin gets the glory. Has, I, yeah. anything, has anything been accomplished when Dustin gets the glory? No, nothing more than feeding a sinful pride. And the Word of God says, unless the Spirit of God is in it, what happens? It's dead. It's in vain. Yep. It's in vain. It's, it's dead. It's, it's a vapor. It's, it's a vapor. Worthless. It's a smoke. It's worthless. It's worthless. So We're back to Ecclesiastes, one of my favorites. So the thing is, 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 is that... When we are weak, he is strong. He is. And I'm weak all the time. Are you weak all the time? I'm not weak nearly enough. I'll tell you that. Well, when you get older, you'll feel your weaknesses. I believe it. Okay. But there's something else you'll feel. 
What's that? As you get older, if you've been in the Word, the Word of God draws closer to you mm-hmm. more and more because you are drawing closer to God more and more. Next question. The next question I'm going to ask you, only because you picked up on it in a preliminary discussion. Oh, great. Here we go. Okay. All right. Because you said this is personal. It is personal. Okay. I know it's coming. Okay. Are you upset when unkind lies are said about you? Because unkind lies and accusations were said to Job by supposedly his supporters. Right. By his friends. Right. So watch out who you have for friends. So again, Dustin, what do you think of unkind lies? I've experienced many of them. Um, actually, more as a police officer. I got lots of unkind lies said about me. Just because I wore a badge. Um, and people don't like cops. I should say people who like to commit crimes don't like cops, right? We got we to gotta qualify that yes, one. Yes, you do. Because um, children would be very upset. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I know, I do know lots of people that appreciate law enforcement very much, and I still do. Even, even as previous law enforcement, I very much appreciate, and um, they do a thankless job, and... It's really difficult, and they hear more unkind lies about themselves than probably any other profession. Do you know the chief of this town is a believer? I think I had heard that. I have not yep. met him personally. Well, he, so. he, he was a deacon with me at another church here in town. He was? Uh, yes, okay. and he's a very deep believer. All right. He's also on the school board. Okay. Chief of police is on the school board. That's... Quite interesting. In the head, actually. Of the, in the head of the school board is a very deep believer. That I do know. Yep, I and, know him well. And and, and, he, and he has done a lot of preaching in this town. Okay. And yep. his character is impeccable. Yes, uh, very good, godly man. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing. I'm going back to this unkind lies. Mm-hmm. As a police officer, more so. As a minister, a couple of times, but way, way less frequent. I have heard unkind lies about myself. And when they're... When they are from a source that doesn't really know me, they don't bother me. Zophar's comment, if, if Zophar was talking to me, doesn't bother me. But if it's from somebody close to me, that hurts. That hurts a lot. And I think the difference is really my expectation, which is funny because there's still people. They're still human beings, and they're still going to make mistakes. They're still going to hurt me. They're going to hurt other people because we're human beings. We make mistakes. So I don't know why I expect different from people that 
are close to me as opposed to people who are far away. But the people that are close to me, unkind lies hurt. People who are far from me, not so much. And there's a good possibility that the amount of hurt is in a way attached to a level of pride. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. My my brain's going and I'm my words my words are coming out as fast as my brain is spinning. So if I don't make sense, I apologize. I wrote a thesis. Okay. At one of the college levels that I was in. And this thesis actually the finding of this thesis, the research of this thesis shocked me. Okay. Because what I found out is Zofa is really accusing Job of the very things that he's guilty of. That's why he can be so adamant in his accusations. Hmm. And how I found this out was this. Okay. I was doing a thesis paper called Witchcraft, a Political Power Struggle. Okay. And I had I had the opportunity and the right and given access to read the trial transcripts of the people that were put on trial for being witches in Salem Village back in the 1600s. Wow, okay. And I looked at the accusations, and the accusations were scary and enough to create a phobia within the colony. Mm Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is is the accusers did not have impeccable credentials. But yet they made these accusations, Hmm. and because of the fact that they had titles, and they had fancy clothes, and they owned land, and they had influential positions in government— They were believed to only find out the rest of the story. (laughs) Yep. The rest of the story, because of these false accusations that put innocent women to death. Right. These accusers, after that, met with terrible suffering. Mm-hmm. And some of them with calamitous deaths. Yep. So what I'm saying is people can say unkind things about you or me or about the pastor of this church, but they're not taken lightly. No, not Because at all. the God of heaven has his say. It's your yep. turn to ask me the next question. It's Dustin. my turn to ask a yep. question. I was waiting for that. I'm going to give you a chance to have a breather. All right. Thank you. Get me out of the hot seat for once. All right. So, considering, considering and keeping in mind who mocked Jesus during his temptation and his trial in the wilderness, Considering who mocked him, does the devil affect you 
by what he says when he's trying to weaken your faith. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. Okay. Because um, there is a movie out that you may want to watch. All right, what's the movie? The movie is called 40 Days. 40 Days. And what what this movie is about, which a lot of us think, would never think, is, is that the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness, most of us think that the devil only tempted Jesus three times. However, in this particular caption of those 40 days, mm-hmm. the never, devil, 24-7, never let up on Jesus in, right. in making him doubt and tell and each, by speaking lies to Jesus, by trying to cut a deal with Jesus, a compromise of Jesus' position Right. And faith. And you know what? He hasn't changed much. He hasn't. Because he hasn't. what is what is one of his attributes, not a positive attribute, but one of his characteristics in the Bible. He is called the father of He's the father of lies. Fire of lies. And the thing is, is that he does it so well mm-hmm. it comes very natural to him. Yep. But that doesn't answer the question. No. All of us, myself and you included. Right. We take it personally. We can. When people misjudge us. And when they misjudge us, they talk about us. Right. And as talk goes down the road, it changes. And it turns into becoming malicious. Yep. And what happens is is that the more you try the more you hear about it, the weaker you become in trying to defend it. Because you're sick and tired of hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. I only have one solution. What's that? I will say right up front, and I'll tell God, I don't like it. Job told God he didn't like the situation. Right. He didn't like what his friends were saying. He didn't even like being put into the suffering. He didn't like it. And he was in a much weaker state than you or I are most commonly in. He was beaten mm-hmm. up in every way possible. Yes, he was. We're, on, we're only beaten up in our minds. Most of the time. Most of the time. But the thing is, 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 is that I'm glad for the promise that when I am weak, he becomes strong. We become strong yes. in him. Because the fact is, is, is that in our weakness, it gives us heartfelt purpose to cry out to him. Yes, and it does. And the one we cry out to, okay, is called truth. And the truth will speak life into us when all the world around us is telling a lie. And Jesus survived because he knew the truth, even in his suffering state. Yep. How about the second part of the verse? Second part of the question. Do you have the right perspective of God? No, no, no. Remember. Remember. Remember who mocked Jesus, men of high position, and Satan. Little people. Little people. Little people don't have any reason 
to tell lies about you. It doesn't serve any serve them in any way. Right. The people who accuse you or me, they do it to advance themselves. Right. They do it for their own agenda. And we don't always know what that agenda is, but it is not in favor of honoring Christ. No, it's not. The Quite frankly, the people who mock Jesus, the people who mock those who follow Jesus, they do it for themselves. Father, they know not what they do. Yep. Oftentimes when people yep. are making statements, all you have to do is sit back and say, what did Jesus hear? But what did Jesus say? Mm-hmm. What was the key word that Jesus said? Forgive. 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 And if Jesus says forgive, what do we have to do? We have to forgive. Does that mean it's not offensive? Nope. No, it is offensive. And that's what makes forgiveness even more valuable. Yep. If there was no offense, there'd be nothing to forgive. Right. But because there was an offense and Jesus forgave us as he's forgiven us, we're supposed to forgive forgive others yep it's interesting in the lord prayer lord's prayer okay he talks about the word trespasses or mm-hmm. debts yep those words don't necessarily hold a lot of weight or water with the average man no a better, not really. a better word for that is offended and offensed Okay. I can relate to being offended. Oh, yeah. And I can relate to being offensed. Yep. But the reality is, is what are we supposed to do when we're offended? Got to forgive. Got to forgive. And the example that Jesus used was, let him offend you still. Mm -hmm. Turn the other cheek while he's slapping you. Now, that is a tough picture. To follow. Because what is our reaction? To disengage. No, some people will disengage. Other people will actually get into face. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Some yeah, pe- we don't. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not striking back. Right. Nobody, nobody, pe- do, nobody ever does that. But some people will use their hands. Yep. But oftentimes the old expression sticks and stones. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the sticks and stones. I would, too. Because they're only for the moment. Yep. Yep. It's those, those words. Those scars only go skin deep. Right. It's those words. And those words, we have to take them to the cross because there's no other place to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the cross understands them because they've been said about him. Right. Okay? I get it. Next question I ask you. I All right. You, you get it. give you a little it. reprieve. Yeah. Okay. Dustin, do you have the right perspective of God and what he's doing in your life? Almost certainly not. And I say that and I say that because God is so great and he's so big and he's so powerful that on this side of eternity, I don't know that we're able to 
perceive him perfectly or even very well. Now, on this side of eternity, I think I, I think I have a good perspective of God. But I don't, I don't know that we can understand, understand God well enough on this side of eternity to have a right, to have the right perspective. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to a Bible study that I did a number of years ago, and it was a thing that uh, actually we went through as a church. Um, we spent a significant portion going through the entire Bible, chronologically, using um, an adaptation called The Story. I'm familiar with it. Okay. And in The Story, there's consistent reference made to God's story, the high story, and our story, the low story. And there is an issue of perspective. Most of the time, our, our perspective is on our story the low story. And it takes intentionality. It takes an effort to try and get the high story perspective. And so when I try to get that, and I may be shifting this a little bit, so forgive me for that. I may be shifting this a little bit. When I try to get the God sight perspective, the God view perspective on my life, I fail at it simply because I don't understand. I have no way to understand how whatever I'm going through, good, bad, or otherwise, has an impact on an eternal scale. I just can't fathom it. My brain can't comprehend it. And this side of eternity just won't happen. So most of the time, I think we just default to that our story, that low story perspective. And my perspective of God, what I think of God is that he's in control. And he should be in control. And we already talked about my pride. Sometimes I try to hold on to that control. Because I don't want to be out of control. So sometimes I withhold that. I hold on to, really in a way I shouldn't, I hold on to things knowing that God can do it better, knowing that I'm setting myself up for failure. Deep down, I know those things, but I still have a hard time of letting go. So I know God, and I know as well as the person that I am right now, as well as I can comprehend who God is, I know him. 
and I try to keep that perspective, but I battle this pride that wants to say I can do it all myself. And so that's, that's just kind of an explanation of why I say, I think I have a good perspective of God, but probably not what would be textbook right perspective of God. I don't know any man who has the full knowledge and the full perspective of who and how great God is. I do know one thing. What's that? I know a prescription to follow God. That prescription is that we need to be faithful, Mm -hmm. obedient to our Father, God. Yep. Because do you know who who knows best? Father knows best. Father knows best. Father, the Father, capital F Father, our Father in Heaven, definitely knows best. He knows best. And And you know what? What? When we're weak, He's strong. Yep. Okay, when we try to do something in our own power, guess what? You can't. But if we try to do something in his strength, we can. We can. What makes the difference? Him. His strength. His strength. His strength. Yep. That's right. So, the thing is, this is that our friend here, Job, will actually come out better and stronger in the end. Because of the fact that not only did he defend God, he also had his own faith stretched. Mm-hmm. And he became a better man for it. Yep. Yep, he sure did. You want to ask me the next question? Sure. Do we want to learn more from God? Do you want to learn more from God? Sometimes I'm afraid of what he's going to say next. But yes, Amen. <laughs> but, but yes, I want to learn more from God. The scary part of it is, is I can't use the excuse. When I learned from God, I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, exactly. is, is, that, is, this, is that there's a value in learning, mm-hmm. but that Learning has to be put into motion in order to achieve the results of the value of what you've learned from God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that requires sacrifice. Yes, it does. I don't like it when I'm being stretched. Usually, stretchers are like starting an exercise. Yep. I get sore real easy. It's because you don't stretch. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the sore becomes actually more painful than the exercise was. Yep. But you that know happens. what? No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. And so, you know what's also true about that? No, what? That residual pain after exercise 
only happens when you don't exercise. I didn't know that. So if you continue to exercise, that residual gets a lot less. Well, there's you... still there's still some soreness, there's still some stif- stiffness, don't get me wrong. But I can tell you as somebody who started and stopped exercise a number of times in life, when I go and I exercise for the first time in we'll say months, if not years, it hurts a lot, usually for about three days. But if I'm able to continue and keep up that exercise, I'm not in pain for three days. There's a little bit of stiffness and a little bit of soreness. But that debilitating pain from that first couple times does subside. What changed? It's Nike's commercial. What changed? What? He just went and did it. Well, yes and no. I do think that... um, I do think that there are some things that happen when you neglect exercise. How does that apply to spiritual lives? I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> There's some things that happen, and I don't know, I haven't done research on this. I'm just, this is my own assertion based on my own experience. But there's got to be something that, there's got to be something that builds up in my body and in my muscles that's not supposed to be there when I don't exercise. And it hurts to get rid of. It's hard to get rid of. But by exercising is the only way to get rid of it. And so when you get rid of it, now it's gone. And exercising, for the most part, is a positive experience. So the only way to keep whatever it is from building up is to continue to exercise. We don't... Sometimes it hurts to grow, spiritually. And most of the time, the places where we have to grow are the places where most, they're points of comfort, usually. They're points of worldly comfort, is where we struggle to grow spiritually. And what's interesting is, there's something happen, there's something that happens when, when we don't exercise things spiritually. And this is kind of an inverse of what I was just talking about. But if I am not trying to exercise and get rid of my pride, if I'm not fighting against that, the devil ignores it. 
if I'm okay with being prideful, the devil's going to ignore it or even worse, reward it. And when I try to get rid of it, he attacks. I have to then fight against him and the pride simultaneously. But I don't have to do that for long. Usually, and we get this out of Scripture, that if you rebuke the devil, he flees from you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he doesn't come back, but he does flee from you. Just runs away for the moment. He runs away for the moment. Until he figures out another angle. Absolutely. But he will come at you at the same angle, right? I'm trying to fight my pride in this one specific area, in this one specific way. He is going to attack that and attack that and attack that. And then he gives up. When I keep fighting and he keeps getting kicked out, he gives up and he changes. He says, okay, I'm not going to win this battle. I'm going to attack something else. I'm going to attack another weak point. Somewhere where maybe we're not fighting and not as aware of what he's doing. And so in that, if I continue to exercise that, he continues to lay off of that part. You know that uh, there's an analogy of an exercise in the Bible that talks about that. And there's a fellow in the Bible that we all know, and he is the Apostle Paul. Yep. And Paul says that you're in a fight. Yep. The object of the fight is to win the fight. Mm-hmm. But he says, unless I train, unless I discipline my body, yep. I will never be able to win the fight. So the lesson there is, is we have to discipline ourselves yep. in the ways and in the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to win the fight that has already been won at the cross. Isn't it confusing to think that Jesus has defeated Satan in the cross? Why do we have to fight a defeated foe. I'm going to say that's one of those uh, high road God perspective things that I'm just never going to understand. But it happens all the time. It does happen all the time. Because Satan comes to tear us down. He does. He, well, he, that's that's not really any different from Job. Uh-huh. Because Satan's already defeated. He is already under the authority of God mm-hmm. because he comes to God and God gives him, limits. gives him limits. Limits. And gives him, you know, allows him a certain breadth of you can do this, but and you have at, a limit. And, and look, Satan, at the, look at the agents that the devil employs. Right. And who are, who are the agents the devil employs? People like Zophar. Yeah, like your best friends. Yeah. And he employs them to come and attack you. Amazing. 
It's amazing. Amazing. But, but it's all within that limit. You get to ask the next question. I get to ask the next question. Yes. Oh, I'm glad I get to ne- ask hey, the next question. Know, it depends on where you're sitting. <laughs> all right. So do you stand up for God and proclaim Jesus is your Lord and Savior? I have to. I want to. I'm glad that something happened to me a long time ago. Yep. I became a dead man. And what's good about becoming a dead man is is you can't offend a dead man. Well, that's true enough, I guess. But this dead man was brought to life. I was brought to life by the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Not only physically, but also spiritually. But I had to be a dead man to understand the value of being brought to life in Jesus Christ. So, I became not only a believer in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. I became a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I have to temper being a zealot for Jesus Christ because mm-hmm. Jesus represents everything. It's to him I owe it all. Yep. So subsequently, out of my gratitude, I can't help but talk about Jesus, Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' Father, and of course, I don't want to leave out the power of the gift of the third person of the Trinity, Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, if you allow him, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will comfort you, he -hmm. will give you knowledge, he will show you the way to go. Yes, you Don't always understand it. Don't always like it. Don't know what position I'm supposed to play in the game of life. But God knows who he wants us to interface with. Yep. Today and tomorrow. And by being faithful to Jesus Christ, to by be reading and studying his word, to be speaking to the Lord Jesus daily through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like I'm following the light because he is the light. Yep. And because I am following him, he leads me to who I'm supposed to see, what Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to say. And you know what? I may be old, but my hero is Caleb, always has been. I don't care if there's giants on the high ground. They're coming down. (laughs) And that's the way I just see things in life. People say, well, doesn't that bother you? Of course things bother me like any man. Mm -hmm. However, my eyes on where I'm going. And I know where I'm going. And I'm going there at whatever Haste, God takes me there. 
But in the meantime, I've decided to not complain about minor complaints in life or minor irritations in life. Okay, yep. But to seek him who knows all. To seek God and seek his son that holds my life and holds your life and holds the listener's lives, I hope, in his hand. However, there's a requirement. And that requirement is, is you have to not only believe in Jesus Christ, you also have to follow mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And there is one test of many tests that is the hardest test of all to do. And what's that? On a daily basis, you have to confess before him, because he already knows where you have fallen short, mm -hmm. because he stands ready and willing to forgive you. But you have to ask for the forgiveness, and you also have to ask that you have a clear line of communication with him, because you stand justified because of that forgiveness. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's really good wisdom to end it on here, Steve. Is there anything else that you want to add or well, yes, poke it next week? Eventually, or? well, because of uh, Easter next week, we won't be having a class again. However, um, you should have in your possession, Dustin, the next topic of Job 13. And it is titled, Our Priority. You have mm -hmm. to know what your priority is in God. But after you get done with finding out what that priority is from the talk that Job has, he's really talking to Zophar about his desire of relationship with God. But the very next chapter, the beginning verse, really brings us right back to where we are and what Jesus says about where we are. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus says is this. Well, actually, what Job says is this, and then Jesus has an answer. Mm -hmm. In Job 14.1, sometimes we have, um, in the Bible, we have verses that are divided by chapter breaks. But if there wasn't a chapter 14, the next question is this. Mm -hmm. And Job asked this question. Yep. How frail is man? How few his days? How full of trouble? And Jesus answers and he says, men's lives are full of trials and tribulations. Yes, they are. Don't quit there, for he has overcome the world. Yes, so he has. you have a chance with Jesus, not in yourself, to overcome the world. And the world is synonymous with the evil one. Yes, it is. And that brings us right back to the first question of the day. Which is? Where does our strength come from? Where does our strength come Where from? Where does our strength come from? All right, Steve, thank you so much for coming in. Great to have you.